We are in week three of our series, Monsters, and this is the final installment of this series. And I got to say, I'm sad. You feel sad? You know, just think of the monsters we didn't cover the blob, zombies. Now, we're in our final week. We are going to talk about one more monster today. If you're new with us, you may be asking the question we've all been asking for the last three weeks. Why in the world would we be talking about monsters in church on a Sunday? What in the world are we doing with that? Well, we've been saying all along that sometimes popular culture and things that we see around us can springboard us into great conversations about scripture and great conversations about what Jesus would have for us in our lives. And I realize that in in church circles, there are many who don't even celebrate this little holiday that happens at the end of this month. Actually, it's next weekend. Many Christians don't don't celebrate it, you know, because we don't want to celebrate things that are evil or horrible. And and certainly we, we don't want to do that either. But I really believe that sometimes when we're looking at metaphors, like monsters, for instance, they can help us maybe understand some things about ourselves, maybe some areas of our life that we need to bring some light into. And so that's why we've been in this series. You know, look, we don't live in a bubble, right? We don't live in a a bubble. We are surrounded by people that have all kinds of social media things going on and things in the news. And we have lots going on in culture right now, as crazy as this year has been. We don't live in a bubble. We want Jesus to be relevant not for us, just for us, but also for people that are that are that we work, that we work with, that we're in in the neighborhood with. We want to be able to to speak Jesus into all those areas of life, even even as we lean into today's monster, which is whether you call him Wolfman or Werewolf. That's who we're talking about today: Wolfman, Werewolf. And I've wondered why why this particular monster is so captivating for so many people. Because it's it's certainly a popular, one of the most popular monsters out there. There have been lots of books and TV series, that sort of thing, and the different rules, you know. You notice that a lot of monsters have rules. I never really know what they are. You know, like every every new monster film or movie comes out or whatever, you have different rules. But in the case of, of, of the werewolf, I think there's a reason why this one has garnered so much attention in our culture. You know what I think it is? I think it's this secret, hidden rage beast that some of us have, and it comes out at certain times. For instance, maybe you're one of those that when you get behind the wheel of your car, your little rage beast comes out when someone cuts you off or veers into your lane. Some of you are laughing because you're sitting maybe next to an inner rage beast now when they drive. I don't know what that is. Something in us, and it may not be driving, it may be maybe some issues that we, we, we might have with anger, or those moments when you're lonely, hungry, tired, afraid. When we're pushed or we're stressed, sometimes this inner beast comes out. And it can really be a damaging thing for not only ourselves, but for the people around us. And so I think that's why this monster in particular is a great way to end this series. 
because I feel like God has some things he wants to tell us about some of those inner things going on in our lives that, that we need to bring light into. Werewolves kind of have a, a long history in, in, in folklore. There's a lot of cultures that have some stories about you know, this, this sort of beast thing, you know, where a human gets, whatever, scratched or bitten, I don't know what the rule is, and, and then, then the next new moon comes out, and all of a sudden now this, you know, this animal comes out at, at, at the new moon, and they turn into you know, these ravenous beasts, these shapeshifters you know, that, that come out. And it, what's interesting about it is uh, if you talk to any first responders or people in the medical field, there is something about that new moon. There's something about the full moon. Uh, we can't always put a finger on it, but you talk to a lot of professionals and they'll tell you, yeah, there's something that's going on in humanity on that full moon. Now, I'm, I'm sure it's probably not having anything to do with an actual werewolf, but, but there's an actual term for the, the animal-like creature. It's called a lycanthorpe. And this idea that there, there's this animal rage that comes out and, and if you're unfortunate to be bitten or some scratched, then you might have this beast come out the next full moon. It's interesting that this is one of the few monsters where you're mainly human, right? And then just one time, I guess, when the new moon comes out, that is all of a sudden you're a beast, but then you go back to, to your human form. And I think that's why maybe this is a good thing to talk about here in our last weekend of the monster series. I actually looked this up. There is something that's called clinical lycanthropy. Clinical lycanthropy. And these are people that are delusional. That's a real thing. People that are delusional, but then they, they take on animal-like characteristics and behavior. It's an actual clinical thing where people, you know, I don't know if you know, something's not right, and, and they start thinking that they're an actual animal. It's a real thing. I couldn't believe it when I read it, but it's, it's really a, a real phenomenon. And it makes me think about us. And I think we have a bit of an inner beast. And we call it the sin issue. So that's what I want to talk about today. Let's, let's pause for a moment. Glad you've joined in today, whether you're online with us. So glad you're here. Welcome. If you're in person with us, we're glad you're here. My name is Pastor Ben. We do this every week on a Sunday. We gather, we lift up the name of Jesus because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for our sins, but rose again. And that Sunday changed human history forever. And that's why we gather on the Sundays. So we're glad that you're here with us here on this last Sunday of October. Let's pause for a moment now. Will you pray with me as we get rolling? Father, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your mercy. It's wonderful that every, every morning that we wake up, it's a new day, a new dawn, and your, your, your love and your faithfulness are true every day. Here on this Sunday, Father, we lift you up, and I pray, Father, you give us all the courage to confront those monsters in our lives, that, Father, you would help us to deal with the inner beast, and that your Holy Spirit would come and do business with us today as we gather. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Start finding the book of Daniel. It's in your Old Testament part of the Bible. We're going to be there for a little bit. And it's about uh, this, this passage. It, it, it comes at a pretty interesting time. The, the, the prophet is Daniel. 
and he's kind of the book's named after him, and he's, he's uh, one of the exiles from ancient Israel. Uh, if you know the, some of the story of the Old Testament, it's, just, it's a long and sordid tale, but we have this nation of Israel, and it broke, a, broke a, a apart into two uh, nations, essentially, and uh, through a number of wars and kings and all kinds of time frames, they, uh, they rejected God, they rejected God, and it ended up where they were basically almost decimated. But there were some exiles taken from the original homeland, brought over to Babylon, and while they were there for uh, a couple of generations, we, we meet uh, Daniel, this guy Daniel, who is kind of gifted by God. And one of the things that God gifts him with is an ability uh, to be able to interpret dreams. And so that will come out in Daniel chapter 4. But what you got to understand is there's a king involved in Daniel chapter 4. He's King Nebuchadnezzar. That's not a name you'll probably find on a lot of uh, top boys lists for 2020 babies. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar, although I do like the, 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 the nickname Neb. I, I, don't, I don't mind that. But Nebuchadnezzar, he's this king. If you don't know much about him, he really thought a lot of himself. Nebuchadnezzar really, really thought he was a pretty, pretty great guy. You'll find that he just was not very humble. He was very proud of his achievements and very, very, he, was, he wasn't very humble. Conqueror, certainly, ancient Babylon was a key city in that time frame in the Middle East. They were a pretty, a pretty big world power. King Nebuchadnezzar was the conqueror. He was the head of that ancient culture, but a, he was a bit of an egomaniac. And we find out that here in Daniel chapter 4. But here's a fun fact before we get there. In the early 80s, there was a, uh, a gentleman who was leading the nation of Iraq named Saddam Hussein. You might have heard of him. And in the early 80s, he decided to kick off a four-year project. It was a multi-million dollar project to rebuild ancient Babylon which happens to be in Iraq. This actually happened. And he wanted to bring back some of its former glory, kind of like it was in the days of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so multi-million dollar project, they're rebuilding some of the sections of the city. And according to an article in the New York Times, Saddam really fashioned himself as the modern Nebuchadnezzar kind of the modern version of that old arrogant king. And here's Saddam Hussein thinking he's going to restore the city to its former glory. And in fact, one of the things that he did was he inscribed his name on bricks that were used in the rebuilding of the ancient city. You want to know where he got that idea? Archaeology has uncovered the ancient city of Babylon, and did you know they have bricks with King Nebuchadnezzar's name inscribed on the bricks. So Saddam, fashioning himself as a modern Nebuchadnezzar, thought he would, he would do that. Back in Daniel 4, we, we meet this Nebuchadnezzar guy, and he has some disturbing dreams. Some disturbing dreams, and it falls on Daniel to seek the Lord and get some interpretations for those dreams if you're familiar with this at all. You know, the king has some scary dreams. Daniel is brought in to try to make sense of these scary dreams. And what actually ends up happening is, is Daniel interprets the dreams, 
And they're basically warnings to King Nebuchadnezzar. It's almost like God's kind of reaching out through dreams and saying, you need to knock it off, you know, egomaniac. You are not all that. And so he, he's giving these warnings through the dreams. But King Nebuchadnezzar decides to not heed those warnings and keep going on, keep trying to do his thing. And he sort of pays the price in a very weird way. All right, have I set that up well? So chapter 4, starting with verse 33. Again, he did not heed the warnings, and so here you go. You ever not heed the warnings in your life? How did that go? King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 33, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. You ever eaten grass? It's a weird thing, weird thing. Anybody online? You ever eaten grass? Don't do that. It's weird. But he's eating grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven. I guess he's hanging out outside. Till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers. And his nails were like birds' claws. That's creepy. So he doesn't heed the warnings. And so his... His divine punishment is pretty humiliating. So obviously, he's not the darling of his royal court when he's all haired out and nailed out. You know, I remember the, the Guinness Book of World Records. They still make that anymore? The Guinness Book of... The, the person that had like the longest nails? This is what I think of. You know, they're all curly and nasty. I think of that as Nebuchadnezzar. So he goes from like the top dog to literally eating grass like a dog. You know, you know we, we have some animals. We have a cat. We had a dog. What, what happens when an animal starts to eat grass? What's usually going on? Yeah, they're sick. There's something going on there. So what is King Nebuchadnezzar eating that would make him need to eat grass? It's just this whole story is, is crazy to me, but obviously very humiliating. It was almost like, Nebuchadnezzar had the real lycanthropy or whatever it is, that he had a real kind of delusional, animal-like moment. Uh, you, you thought it was just, you know, something made up. He has this crazy delusion for a while, and, and he's, he's dealing with this reality as, as an animal, which is interesting, living like an animal. Now, in the 1700s, there was an artist named William Blake who tried to come up with some kind of a, a rendition of what maybe the... Nebuchadnezzar might have looked like. And I don't, I don't know how accurate that is. That's creepy to me right there. He's crawling around. Uh, I, he needs to have longer fingernails, though. I think that, that William Blake missed that. But that's kind of an artist's rendition of what they think maybe Nebuchadnezzar looked like. Whoa. Now, the good news is, toward the end of Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar does come to his senses. It's, he, he realizes, I'm not God some rulers of the day used to fashion themselves as gods. In fact, even in the Roman Empire, emperors thought of themselves as gods, you know. But he kind of realized, okay, I'm not all that, and that God is real, and he's in charge, and, and I'm not. So he kind of comes to his senses. But I think it's very interesting that Scripture tends to speak into our lives in different ways. And I think with this story, Scripture is speaking to us about the condition of our heart. You see, Nebuchadnezzar 
he, his heart was, was, was really kind of a corrupt heart. And, and when the scriptures talk about heart, it's not really your kind of the muscle pumping inside of your, your, your rib cage. Heart is sort of the metaphor of everywhere of your decision making, all the parts of your decision making, your intellect, and your, 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 what drives you, the emotion and the spirit, is all kind of encapsulated in what the Bible calls the heart. And so because all the decisions we make come out of this, this heart, then we want to be careful that it doesn't lead us astray. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's heart was so proud, so arrogant, that it literally kind of messed him up. We don't even know how long he was on hands and knees eating grass, but any time would have been too long for me. It really messed, his heart messed him up. He thought he was so amazing, and the heart led him astray. See, evil can take root in our heart, and it can take us places we don't want to go. It can take us down roads we never want to travel down. And I love how the Bible warns us about this. In fact, in Proverbs 4.23 Point blank tells us to guard our hearts because it determines the steps we take. Guard your heart above all else is what it says. Guard your heart. So that's our big, our big, our big moment today is, is to do that very thing. Is to ask the Lord, Lord help me guard my heart. So that I won't go down those roads that, that will destroy me. Those roads that will turn me into an animal. It'll, 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 it'll take me down places that I don't want to go. Lord, help me guard my heart. Don't give in to those monsters that are clawing at you. Even a big hairy werewolf or Nebuchadnezzar. You don't have to be led astray. I, I like how Philippians, which is written by an early church leader, Paul, in, in the book of Philippians, he writes it like this. He, he says, you know, our faith in Jesus Christ provides peace and will guard our hearts and minds. So I get that sense that we need to, to be close to Jesus so that we won't be led astray, that our hearts won't be led astray, and that we won't go down roads we ought not to go and not be enticed by the monsters that are so destructive. That if we guard our hearts and minds in, by faith in Christ Jesus, we can, we can prevent that. We can guard our hearts in that sense. And here's the big question. What monsters are lurking around you? What monsters are lurking around you, your heart? What monsters are, are out there? And, and, and monsters can take a lot of different forms. We've seen that in this series. Whether that be decisions, mistakes, temptations. What are those monsters in your life that are lurking right now? and trying to steal your heart away. Sometimes we, we, we know we have some monsters that we ought to confront, but we push them down farther rather than bringing them to the light. And you know what happens when you try to put gross stuff undercover. It eventually starts to, to come out. What monsters are lurking in your life right now that you can bring the light of Jesus into. You see, I think that's the way sin works. Evil works. It's not often the big stuff that, that ties us up. It's those little decisions here and there. And eventually, it can take us a whole different direction in life. Those little decisions made one after another that slowly allowed our hearts to be swayed to where it ought not to go, to be, to be moved farther away from the Lord. 
And if you sense this happening in your life, what can you do? What we learned in week one, you bring those to light. To call it what it is. Call it what it is. Lord, I've got this issue. I need, I need the light. And, 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 and you begin to open that process up to God's working in your life. I don't know what those monsters are, but you need to turn them over to Jesus. Bring them to the light. And maybe some of you, you know these monsters are lurking and you haven't done a good job of guarding your heart. You haven't been spending time with Jesus to guard your hearts and minds. Maybe you're, you're sensing they're, they're circling right now. And you can begin to guard your heart. Bring them to the light. Bring it to the cross. Pursue a closer walk with Jesus every single day. I don't know if, about you, but I, I have seen... I've seen monsters play out in people's lives. And maybe you have too. You know, some monster that they just can't quite kick, whether that be an addiction or some decisions that they keep making over and over again, being in, a, in some kind of a relationship that's abusive. I don't know what it is, but you've seen probably that in your life at some point. Someone who's allowed the monster to take over and to destroy their life. And it doesn't just affect them, does it? It affects everyone around them. They've let the monsters in. But it's not hopeless. That's the one thing I love, well, of many, that I love about Jesus. With Jesus, nothing is hopeless. No monster can't be overcome. With Jesus, there's hope. It's not hopeless. And so... If you're, if you're sensing some monsters circling or some monsters that maybe this series is revealing in your own life right now that are active, what would the Lord have you do about it? Keep going? Or would he have you, call it what it is, bring it to the light, ask him to begin working in your life? Maybe you bring someone else in on the journey with you. I need some help. Are you going to keep going on or are you going to deal with those monsters today? You see, we all have this sin nature. It's sort of, like, sort of like being maybe bitten or scratched by a werewolf or something. We carry this sinful nature. And if we're not careful about guarding our heart, it can get the best of us. And I think that the Lord wants to, to remind us that that heart matters. That heart matters. And so, in fact, I want to share a prayer with you that I often say Every day, and this is something that I'll use to kind of center, center myself when I'm in prayer, then I'll just say this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, we all have a sin nature, and those monsters are rearing their ugly heads, and they want to destroy us. But by the cross of Jesus, we have hope. And so here's what I want to leave you with. This is, this is not a silver bullet. This is not some kind of magic formula. We don't do magic here. <laughs> but it's not, a, it's not a magic bullet. But here's the deal. How do you and I, how do we slay the beast? How do we keep the monsters at bay? And these are some things that have helped me, and I hope it'll help you. The first one is this, guard. Guard your heart. It's the wellspring. Guard your heart. Decide today, Lord, I'm going to guard my heart. And that means what I watch, what I take in, what I consume. These are things that we do to guard our heart. The second thing is this, resist. That means you shut it off, 
you don't buy it, you walk away. Until you're healthy enough to fight it. But sometimes you need to resist. You need to run. You need to flee. Shut off the computer. Turn off the phone. So you need to resist. And by God's help, His Holy Spirit will help us to do this. To resist. Flee from the devil. Fight the urge. Remember the danger of allowing it to win. Right? Remember the danger of allowing it to win. You're made for more than that. And the last thing is this, pray. I cannot emphasize this enough. And this Prayer is so huge. In Christian circles, it's weird that we say this thing to each other. You know, aren't we always doing this? Hey, let's have a quick prayer. Why does it have to be quick? Or we'll say this. You probably heard this. Maybe you've said this. Well, the least I can do is pray. Is that really the least we can do? I feel like we've got to be reawakened to the power of prayer. We guard, we resist, and we pray that God can help us slay those beasts, slay those monsters. Because if you go through life, you're going to have monsters. And if you thought you'd taken care of them in your early life, you're going to get some in midlife. And then you're going to get some when the kids leave. And then you're going to get some when you're retired. Monsters are part of living the human life. And our sinful nature is there. And we need to guard our heart. Because in Christ, nothing is hopeless. Guard, resist, pray. Here's a pro tip. All right? You're welcome. Here's a pro tip. I have found in my life, and I've had to kind of work through this in my life, that the more I spend with Jesus in prayer, scripture, meditating on his word, the more I spend, the better I do at guarding my heart. The more I spend with him, it just, I, I want things that are going to hurt me less. I don't know why, but there's something about spending real time with the Lord. And I think maybe that could be the challenge for many of you. you you've said it for years. Oh, I really need to buckle down. I really need to, I need to read scripture more. I need to, I need to spend some time in prayer. It's not because there's some kind of guilt thing going on here, because the more you spend, at least for me, the more you spend with Jesus, the more power you'll have, because the Holy Spirit is fresh and you're walking with the Spirit, you just tend to be transformed the more time you spend with Jesus. And so if I could encourage you with that pro tip, this is how we defeat the monsters. This is how we guard our heart. Lots of time with Jesus. And that can happen when you're hiking. It doesn't have to happen in a, a small little dark room on your knees. It can happen when you're walking, when you're on your knees, when you're praising, lifting up your hands. Time with Jesus helps us walk in step with the Spirit and it helps us keep not only our heart guarded, but those monsters at bay. So if I can encourage you with that today. Look, here's the deal. As we wrap up the series, right? Monsters have these in common. They don't reason. They don't negotiate. They don't apologize. And monsters... <laughs> monsters don't die easily. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those monsters don't die easily. Life will mean we're going to encounter monsters. So we 
stay close to Jesus, spend time with Him, guard, resist, and pray. Speaking of prayer, we're going to pray here in a minute. Before we do that, I just want to say this, whether you're online with us today or in person, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes to the power of His Holy Spirit helping to guard your heart and defeat the monsters, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you could do that today. Come, come see us in the Connections booth here in person or come see me today. Or if you're online, let us know in the chat window. Your host is there. We'd love to pray with you. Take a next step. Maybe for some of you, this series has brought up some monsters that you need to deal with. You need to talk to somebody about it. You need to bring them in and let them pray over you. Get some help. If that's you today, please don't let this day go by without dealing with those monsters, whether you're in person or online with us. God is speaking to you now, and I bet he's stirring something in your heart. Let's pray together as we close. By the way, next weekend is, is, is Halloween, and that is a great time to meet your neighbor. We just finished a series called The Art of Neighboring. I want to encourage you, maybe you can just be out and meet some neighbors this weekend. Yes, you don't have to embrace the whole Halloween thing, but you can embrace loving your neighbor. Find out what their names are, because we, we learned right in that series, names matter because people matter. So maybe this weekend you can actually meet some of your neighbors that you hadn't seen out much. So take the opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We ask for the courage and the strength to to confront the monsters. Father, we ask for your help to deal with those monsters by the power of your Holy Spirit that's in us. Father, help us to make sure that we keep our hearts guarded by the power of your word and spending time with you. And Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that not only would we confront the monsters, but by your help, defeat those monsters. And then for someone else, we can help them defeat their monsters. Father, would you do a mighty work in us? Help us to love our neighbor as we do this. And in all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.